today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It wasn't that Paul was teaching falsely. It's just that Paul was not as accurate as he could have been. And they took him aside and Paul received it from them. That's a friend, by the way. The wounds of a friend are faithful, but an enemy multiplies kisses. A friend will tell you what you need to hear, but don't want to hear. And conversely, an enemy will tell you what you want to hear, but not what you need to hear. Do you have a hard time accepting criticism? It's not easy to hear about the things you're doing wrong. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that we need to remain teachable like Paul. Don't bite someone's head off because they're trying to lovingly correct you. Be gentle and humble enough to hear what they have to say. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Timothy chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Trusted stewards, we see this in verses 12 and 13. Again, we're not told specifically about Tychicus, who Paul had apparently sent to Ephesus, but we are told about this guy by the name of Carpus. And Paul said he's still in Troas, and then he says, I need my cloak. you got to know that it's very cold in that dungeon of a prison where Paul was. But he tells Timothy that he entrusted to this carpus all of his prized possessions. And he did so because he knew that when he was arrested, those would be confiscated by Rome. Do you see where I'm going with this? That which the Apostle Paul prized and treasured the most, the scrolls, the parchments upon which were written the Word of God, that is what he prized the most and he entrusted that which he prized the most to this guy. And that's why 2,000 years later we are reading about his name, Carpus, a trusted steward. I can entrust him with that, to keep that for me. He can be trusted. I think this is probably as good of a time as any to just between us and the Holy Spirit, ask ourselves the question, am I trustworthy? Am I a trustworthy steward of that which God has entrusted me with? To whom much has been given, much is required. How many parables did Jesus teach about the stewards that were given possessions and then had to give an account for what they did with that which they had been entrusted with? Verses 14 through 18, we take another turn and we're introduced to this Alexander. Actually, we were first introduced to him in Paul's first letter to Timothy. And Paul tells Timothy that he had to hand him over to Satan. Well, that doesn't sound good, does it? <laughs> this is what I would refer to as dangerous imposters. And I say it like that and refer to him like that is because 
it's believed that this Alexander may have actually been an informant against Paul, a plant, undercover. So picture this, because Paul references his trial, basically tells Timothy, it's not going well. (laughs) Uh, Everybody's deserted me. Nobody has testified on my behalf. See, in that day, the way it would work, different from our day, is they would have these testimonies from all of these people against you, and then they would also have the testimonies of all of those that were for you, and then the judge would decide. Well, there was nobody there, but apparently Alexander was there, and he testified against Paul. Again, some believe as an informant against Paul. And Paul is careful to say that this man had done much harm to him, so much so that he even warns Timothy about him. He says, you better watch this guy. I'm not going to be around much longer, Timothy. Watch out for this guy. He's a dangerous man, and he has done me much harm. You know what's interesting about this? Paul's response, it was that of his Savior before him, in that he prayed it wouldn't be held against him and the others along with him. I have to be honest. I may not quite get there at first. Well, I'll pray for him. God, get him. I mean, you know, I think about the Psalms when David says, let their teeth get crushed in their mouth and choke them to death. That's not what that says, but that's, that's the JDV. So, but I mean, it's right, honestly. That, that's why, by the way, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. There's a, there's a reason for that. The reason is you cannot stay angry at somebody that you're praying for. You might start out a little bit clenched teeth. Word blue. Blue. <laughs> you know, like the fonts, that's a, <laughs> could never say I was, I'm sorry. Could never say it. And we can never pray it. It doesn't come out easy, right? It's kind of like, Lord, blah. We don't want the Lord to bless him. We want the Lord to get back at them for what they did to us. But here's how it works. You start praying that God will bless them, and you forgive them, and you don't hold it against them. Now all of a sudden you have a vested interest in God blessing their lives, and it changes everything in the way that you see them. and. Even if there's never a restoration or a reconciliation of the relationship, there's nothing you're harboring in your heart. There's no resentment. There's no bitterness. It'll eat your lunch. The writer of Hebrews says, do not let that seed even begin to sprout and germinate. It will defile you. You need to forgive them. Before we move on, I need to point something out here in this regard. And it has to do with what Paul says about the Lord being at his side. Even though nobody else was, the Lord was. He wasn't alone. And the Lord was not only at his side, but the Lord was strengthening him and even delivering him from 
what appears to be the lion's mouth. It may very well be that Paul survived being thrown to the lions, very possible. But in writing this to Timothy, he's touching on something that is of paramount importance, and we would be grossly remiss were we not to at least take a look at it. There are many Alexanders in life, right? People who hurt us, harm us. And one of the things I'm learning in my own life with the Alexanders in my life, of which there are many, I have quite the list, (laughs) it's not what people do to you, it's what Jesus has done for you. When you embrace God's grace, and you're on the receiving end of God's forgiveness, That is how you're in turn able to forgive. Lord, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Yeah, but man, they really, they did me dirty. They really hurt me. They did me much harm. It's not what they did to you, J.D., It's that Jesus died for you, J.D., and that should change the entire complexion of everything. That's how you're able to pray for them. That's how you're able to forgive them. You yourself have been on the receiving end of God's forgiveness. I think about the marriage relationship, when there's grudges that are held. You know how it is, right? I'm not talking about my marriage. I have a perfect marriage because I'm the pastor. You know how it is when you give them the silent treatment? I'm not going to say I'm sorry. They need to say I'm sorry. And sometimes this can go on for days. And you're just, you're holding this grudge, this resentment, and that left unchecked, that can turn into bitterness. And again, it'll destroy you. It'll destroy your marriage. So the Lord sees it. Yeah, it looks like you're giving each other the silent treatment. Yeah! Hmm. They wronged you. Yeah, they're the ones that are in the wrong. They need to apologize to me, and they have to say I'm sorry. Hmm. So you're not going to forgive them? Nope. Not until they come to me crawling on their hands and knees. <laughs> we need to talk. Come here, boy. That's how it sounds to me, <laughs> for me. Do I need to remind you of all that I've forgiven you up? If I did to you what you're doing to them, it would not be good. (laughs) I forgave you, and now you're withholding forgiveness? How does that work? It's what the Lord has done for you, not what they did to you. Verse 19 has number six. I I call this steady eddies. Stay with me on this. We like steady eddies. We're told in Acts chapter 18 verses 1 and 2 that Paul first met Priscilla and Aquila, this husband and wife, when he was in Corinth. They were in the same business of tent making as Paul was. And it seems that 
from Acts 18.26 that they had become very, very good friends, so much so that Priscilla and Aquila pulled Paul aside. This is early in Paul's ministry, and they just gently corrected him and instructed him on a more accurate way. It wasn't that Paul was teaching falsely, it's just that Paul was not as accurate as he could have been, and they took him aside, and Paul received it from them. That's a friend, by the way. The wounds of a friend are faithful, but an enemy multiplies kisses. A friend will tell you what you need to hear, but don't want to hear. And conversely, an enemy will tell you what you want to hear, but not what you need to hear. And you know, initially you might appreciate it when they tell you what you want to hear. Oh, thank you so much. Tell me more about me that you... (laughs) But I, I assure you, and eventually you'll resent it. Why didn't you tell me the truth? You must not love me. Love me enough to speak the truth in love. And again, conversely, that's a friend who cares enough and loves me enough to pull me aside and say, Hey, J.D., um, can I just share this with you? And it's corrective. I, I, I need to correct you. <laughs> correct me? Don't you know who I am? <laughs> no, who are you? <laughs> Does anybody know who he is? Because... Apparently he thinks more highly of himself than he ought. But Paul was teachable, correctable. And it would seem all of these years later, I, I, I think maybe over 30 years later, we don't know for sure, but he sends them his love. And you know what's interesting? This couple's still going strong. That's what I mean by a steady Eddie. They're just steady, man. Rock solid in their marriage, in their ministry. And Paul, I believe, so appreciated this couple. And all these years later, knowing that it's just a matter of time before his death, he wants to make sure that he sends them his love to all the steady Eddie's Just a shout out. We love you, man. (laughs) We need you. We need Priscilla's and Aquila's, the steady eddies in life. Verse 20, number seven. We might need to spend just a little bit of time on this one. It's kind of a biggie. It's what I'm going to refer to as suffering servants. Now, at first read, one may ask the question of why it is, again, that God would deem it necessary to inspire Paul to make mention by name of this man, Trophimus. There has to be a reason, because all Scripture is God-breathed, and so what's the reason? I would suggest that the reason is, is that he represents the many Christians over time that have found themselves on a bed of sickness and suffering. And for whatever reason, God has not healed them. God allows them 
to continue for prolonged periods of time on a bed of suffering. For Paul to say it the way he said it, I I left him there. He's very sick. He's on a bed of sickness. Again, I believe we have this because it's an encouragement to the Trophimus in life who finds themselves on this bed of suffering and sickness. God will never forsake you. In fact, sometimes it's the bed of suffering and sickness that we're the closest to the Lord, and the Lord is the closest to us. The Lord will never forsake the sick. Instead, they are comforted greatly in suffering greatly. And by the way, what awaits them in glory? What you sow in tears, you will reap in joy. Joy unspeakable. Well, this brings us to our last one in verses 21 and 22. And I, you'll forgive me for waxing sentimental with this one, but these are the gracious encouragers. Paul's final parting words before he puts down his pen, and he makes mention of, in a word, grace. And by name he lists these who send their greeting, these gracious encouragers, these gracious brothers and sisters. And that's how he ends. I can't think of a better way to end the teaching and end this book of Second Timothy, than to spend just a little bit of time talking about how important encouragers are. Think about the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonian church, his first epistle, chapter 4, verse 17, in the context of the rapture. At the end of that chapter, after he's trying to encourage them, because they were, they were just battle-weary, hopeless. They thought they missed the rapture. Paul's like, no, you didn't miss the rapture. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, and we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up, raptured up to meet the Lord in the air and forever be with the Lord. And he goes on in great detail, I might add, talking about the rapture. And then when he's done talking about that, he says this, therefore, You know, whenever you read the word therefore in Scripture, the therefore is therefore a reason. I know that's a play on words, but it's true. What's the therefore, therefore? Oh, it's therefore their encouragement. He says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. It's not just an empty encouragement, you know, pat on the back. Hey! Be encouraged. Okay, I'll start tomorrow. I'll be encouraged. No. Be encouraged with these words. With the Word. Be encouraged. As you are even now encouraging one another. I would suggest that this Thessalonian church, by the way, the very first epistle that Paul ever penned. Second Timothy, the last, like bookends. Think this through with me. At the very end he says, 
You be encouraged with these words and you encourage one another with these words. I get the impression that these Christians in that church in Thessalonica had each other as a lifeline. They were encouraging each other, as Paul mentioned. And isn't it true that sometimes all you need is just one encouraging word? And it's a word fitly spoken. And sometimes it's just a pat on the back, a hug. Maybe somebody saying, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you, man. I know you're really going through it. I want to encourage you. God's promises are faithful and true. God will never forsake you. God will never leave you. I'm praying for you. You be encouraged. And just maybe weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. Sometimes it's good to have a good cry, right? You know how it is? You feel good after a good cry? You know why that is? You're releasing toxins that are built up in your body. God made us to cry as a release. That's why sometimes after, sometimes you just, you you want to cry because you know you feel so good afterwards. That's why I cry. That's my story again. I'm sticking with it. I'm trying to, (laughs) hey, Paul cried, right? Book of Acts, chapter 20, by the way, three years. Every day, every night, all day, all night, he would weep because he knew that there would be those, those wolves in sheep's clothing that would come from amongst them and would not spare the flock. I like to say it like this, Paul cried like a man. (laughs) Jesus cried. How about that? Sometimes a good cry can be so encouraging. Just to have a good cry with somebody. And just listen to them. Let them pour their heart out. Don't try to be a Christian Mr. or Mrs. Fix-It. You know what I'm talking about? That's not on our list, but I might as well, <laughs> since I brought it up. You know how we're always trying to, hey, we're so insensitive. We just start quoting Scripture. Be warm, be well fed. No, you know what? They don't need a mouth. They need a shoulder. They need a shoulder to cry on. They need a brother or a sister that they feel safe enough with to pour their heart out that'll be there and that will be gracious and encouraging. I tell you, sometimes just one encouraging word, I'm good for like a month. Don't need much. Just like, wow, I really needed that. That was the Lord. I really needed that word of encouragement. That was a word fitly spoken. Be a gracious encourager. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from 2 Timothy with Pastor J.D., approach each piece of wisdom prayerfully and ask God to show you how you can apply what you learn to your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word. So keep reading. As we continue to learn from the book of 2 Timothy together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. 
Would you let us know how we can be doing that for you? Just fill out the contact form that you'll find under the About tab at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kamiohe and In Spirit and Truth. If you're not part of a local church that you can call home, we encourage you to find and begin regularly attending one in your area. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, you can also find more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth, verse-by-verse study of 2 Timothy on In Spirit and Truth. 